Hey there, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. My name is John, and I am your host of the Bible and Life, and I am grateful for you. Glad that you're joining me here on the Bible and Life. Our goal for the Bible and Life podcast is to try to provide uh, some real clear, helpful, down-to-earth Bible teaching, what I like to call blue jeans theology. Uh, that is Bible teaching that's in the language of everyday life, that's connected to the questions and the needs of everyday life to help us actually live out and follow Jesus right in the midst of our everyday life. So that's what we're about. So welcome. Glad you're here. And let's just jump right in. We're going to do something a little bit different on this episode. Normally, I'll look at a topic or a Bible passage or something I've been wrestling with uh, and kind of provide some uh, insight into that and some reflections on some of that. But today, I'm going to zoom out and from instead of talking about a specific passage within the Bible, I want to talk about the Bible in general. And specifically, I want to talk about translations and which translation is a good translation and why and how do you use translations in your Bible study. And the reason for that is because I actually get this question semi-regularly and I've had several of late that have come to me uh, asking me this very question. And so I thought, well, if people are wondering and asking about this, maybe I should at least give my thoughts um, on this as well here. So let's talk Bible translations. I've actually, like I said, gotten this question a couple times. Uh, uh, Heidi emailed me here recently with, thank you so much for the work you do. I'm looking for an accurate Bible translation. Which version do you recommend? Thanks for your time. And uh, so... That was from Heidi. I got another one from a gal named Miriam. And Miriam uh, said, Hi, John. I wanted to order a study Bible for myself that would help explain it uh, because it can be hard to understand without any sort of background knowledge as an ordinary person. I was thinking of getting some sort of expository Bible with commentaries, but I wanted to ask for your opinion on what you recommend for a beginner. I'm not sure what translations or commentaries are most helpful in understanding uh, the Bible for the average person and just wanted to know your thoughts. Thanks in advance. And so Heidi and Miriam, uh, uh, you two, among others, you asked me a similar question. So I just want to kind of jump in and give some thoughts on this. So let's start. If you notice, um, Heidi's question is more about Bible translation. And then Miriam's question is more about study Bible. So let's start with the question of translation. And just to be honest up front, this could be a little bit challenging because um, the translations I know are English translations. And yet I know not everyone who listens to this podcast lives in English-speaking countries. And so there may be translations that are better for you where you live based on the language of where you live that, that I just am not familiar with. I know in some countries it's really hard to get a good translation. I, when I was doing some teaching and training in the um, in Haiti a handful of years ago, uh, some people spoke French super well. Most people spoke Creole. Very few spoke English, and it was really hard to find a a good translation that the average person could actually work off of. It was just difficult, right? Particularly for study Bibles. And so, so I recognize all that up front. I'm going to talk a little bit about translation theory. Um, and I'll make that as clear as I can. And then I'll talk about a few translations that I recommend and how I recommend using translations in Bible study. So, translation theory. There are two major schools of thought when it comes to translations, particularly Bible translations. One school of thought is what is 
sometimes called formal equivalence. One, the other school of thought is sometimes called dynamic equivalence. Here's what they mean. Formal equivalence means let's try to go as word for word as we possibly can. Let's try to reflect the grammar of the original language. So the Old Testament was written in Hebrew with a little bit of Aramaic. New Testament was written in Greek. Let's try to get as close as we can to the wording and the grammar and the language and all of that of the original language. That's formal equivalence. Dynamic equivalence is more thought for thought. Let's take and try to replicate the sense and the meaning, even if it doesn't totally represent the wording or the grammar of all of that. And so let's go thought for thought and try to capture uh, more the ideas of what's being said than the wording of what's being said. Now, which one is uh, better? Well, it's not really, I think, a question of right or wrong or better or best. It's a question of each has its relative strengths and weaknesses. So when it comes to formal equivalence, um, word for word, the goal is to try to reproduce the wording and grammar and structure of the original while hopefully providing a solid translation. In my case, that would be an English translation. And the strength of this is that there is a little less interpretation in, in how the translation is worded, right? The, the translators uh, make fewer interpretive decisions. But the reality is every translation is an interpretation as well. It's just that there's a little less of that when it's word for word. And not only that, another strength of it is when studying the text, like if you want to study in detail, well, you're dealing a little bit more with the original sentence structure and grammar. That's helpful so you can kind of see how the, the ideas flow. The weakness of word for word is that it's probably not as readable in English or whatever translation it is that you're working out of. And so that means you as a reader, you just have to do more work to make sense out of it. All right. And so that's kind of the, the word for word category. What are some translations that fit that category? Uh, well, there's things like a real popular one in English right now is the English Standard Version. That's real popular in English. It's more in that uh, formal equivalent category, word for word. Or the New King James would fit that. Or the one that I use on the listener's commentary is the New American Standard. Those are translations that are in this category of word for word. Now, the other category, dynamic equivalence or thought for thought, the goal of that is to pass on the, the meaning and the thought of the original while trying to produce a super readable English translation. And the strength of that is it's going to be more readable, which means it's going to be easier to understand. The weakness of that is that the translators have made a, a more interpretive decisions reflecting how they think you should understand the text. And that's not necessarily a bad thing if we're being honest, right? That's typically how translation work is done all the time in cross-cultural communication. So I mentioned Haiti. When I was in Haiti, I had to teach through a translator. And he probably did more along this idea. He did as word for word as he could, but he also did some thought for thought, right? Um, and so it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it does mean the translators make decisions to clear up some of the language and, and they might leave out some things or make an, other judgment calls that, turn out maybe with a little more study, you think, I don't think that's best, all right? So just be aware of that. And so strength, more clear, more readable, easier to understand. Weaknesses, more interpretive decisions are made for you, telling you how they think they understand the text. What are some translations that fit that category? 
Well, a couple well-known ones are the NIV and the New Living Translation. Those would be more in this thought for thought. Um, and of course, there's a range to all of this, right? So for example, the NIV is a little more word for word than the New Living Translation. But both are less than, say, the New American Standard or the English Standard Version and so on. And so you have this kind of continuum, this spectrum of translations from super rigid, super stiff, super wooden, uh, reflecting the words and the grammar, uh, down to super freed up, all the way down to paraphrases at the far end of the spectrum where it's like not even a true translation. It's more of a paraphrase, like the message or something like that. Um, that's how translations work when it comes to the Bible. All right, so the two main categories, formal equivalence, dynamic equivalence. Um, and what does that mean when you have to go about choosing a translation? Well, my answer to that is always, well, it depends what you want. Here's what I recommend, what, particularly when it comes to Bible study. Obviously, you have your daily reading, but when it comes to uh, actual Bible study and wanting to understand a passage that maybe is confusing, I recommend choosing one from each category and then comparing them. And so have one that's a little more thought for thought, the NIV or the NLT. Have one that's a little more word for word, the New American Standard or the English Standard Version. And compare those ones together when you're studying, and that'll highlight differences. All of a sudden, you'll see, oh, well, this one that's a little more thought for thought translated this way. This one that's a little more uh, word for word doesn't say that at all. I wonder why the difference is and why these ones in the thought for thought idea, why they chose uh, this particular understanding of the, these words that I see in the word for word. And so that's what I typically recommend for Bible study is actually you pick one from each category and then you compare them and then that'll raise all sorts of words and questions that maybe you want to research. Um, so <clears throat> that's my approach to recommending translations and how we should use translations. Now, what about uh, Miriam's questions about study Bibles? Um, and this is a really good, really important, somewhat difficult question because um, when you have study Bibles, again, it, it depends on what do you want and what do you need, um, and you're going to get people's comments and their thinkings on it. And again, that's not bad. In fact, I just wrote some notes for a study Bible that Zondervan is going to be releasing in a year or so. Um, and so I've contributed to a study Bible uh, and I think they're valuable. But again, it depends on what you want. So uh, uh, one real popular and very helpful study Bible these days, again, is the ESV study Bible. There's two reasons why I think it's really helpful. It's got all sorts of maps and basic notes that'll give you background information, charts and maps and stuff that'll help you at least just sort out some of the stuff going on in the text. It also has some online resources that go along with it. So what they didn't put in the text itself, there's more of that uh, on a website where you can actually get um, some things like that. So I do think uh, that that is really helpful to help you at least get some idea of that. Sort of what I'm trying to create with the, the study hub over on my listeners commentary website where I'm uh, putting all my online courses inside the study hub to help you learn how to study the Bible. I'm putting together, um, you know, the audio commentary on the Bible books, but then 
on the study hub, what I want to do is if you want more than the audio, maps, charts, word studies, little articles and summaries and uh, all of that, I'm, I'm just going to keep over the years building up the study hub where it could be a central place for you to go to help you just gain some background data and historical data and pictures and understanding what's going on in the text or all that. Study hub, something like that, I think, can be really helpful. Another useful um a couple of useful um, study Bibles. There's one that's kind of like this, the archaeological study Bible, and it gives uh, finds and archaeology that helps uh, give insight into the culture and the background. That's useful. And there's one that's just sort of like a cultural context study Bible. I think that's helpful because I think the culture and the background, if we could grasp that, it really helps shed light on the text. So that's a couple that I would recommend um, to at least give you some idea of uh, study Bibles itself. I will put uh, just a few links down in the notes below to uh, a few study Bibles that I just mentioned that I think are useful to you so that you can check those out, see if they're useful to you. Most of those things are fairly expensive. Uh, so just be aware of that. But if you're willing to put out a little bit of money, you can find some stuff anymore that has some really good resources within them. So I'll put some links down in the notes below to that. One other thing that I want to mention while we're talking about Bible studies, translations, and all that is on my website, both on the on the Listener's Commentary website, listenerscommentary.com, uh, and on johnwhitaker.net, which that website's about ready to get a whole uh, facelift and rebuild and redesign because I'm rebuilding the listener's commentary website and putting the study hub there and moving a bunch of stuff that was on johnwhitaker.net over into the study hub. So I'm going to completely rebuild the John Whitaker website as well. But either one of those websites, johnwhitaker.net, listenerscommentary.com, go to one of those, either one of those. And I have a free resource there that's just, it's a little ebook, about 30 pages long called Bible in Life. And it's a guide to how to how to read the Bible well. And so it has five practices for hearing the text. That's the study part, trying to understand it. It has five practices for heeding the text. That's how can I begin to put this into practice in my life and live it out? Because the Bible is never meant to be just known. It's meant to be absorbed and internalized and lived. And so it's basically a guide to how to hear and heed the Bible. So it's totally free uh, on uh, either one of my websites. I've got some resources listed in the back of that, uh, some book resources, commentaries and some of that, that will help you study the Bible. But I also have some free online resources mentioned uh, in the back of that as well. And so just some stuff that'll help you read the Bible well and understand it well. I think that book is a free ebook that I have there will really be a good guide to you. So you can check that out and it'll introduce you to how to read and study the Bible well yourself. So there you have it. Bible translations, study Bibles, and studying and reading the Bible. Put some links to some of these things down in the notes below, but I hope it helps since I get uh, this question quite a bit. I hope it helps you just really know kind of how translation work is done, the, the major kind of categories and the spectrum of that, and then how I would recommend using translations for your own personal Bible study. Hey, and if you always wanted to, you could dive in and you could learn Hebrew, you could learn Greek yourself. In fact, I just had a gal at church on Sunday say, if I wanted to, if I wanted to learn Greek, is there some resources here in town where I could do that? Obviously, she could take some classes at the local college or things of that sort. But there are some actually free online stuff, too, where you can learn some Greek and all of that. So if you wanted to begin to do your own Greek work, uh, there's some resources that will help you do that as well. 
online and even learn how to read Greek um, for the New Testament. Probably some stuff for Hebrew, although I'm not as familiar with that uh, as much because I spend most of my time dealing with the Greek in the New Testament. So, but translations are where most of us live. So hopefully this is helpful to sorting out some of the stuff related to Bible translations. All right. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. Thanks for being a part of the Bible and Life family. Thanks to those of you who make this ministry go by your generous and faithful support, the Bible and Life, the listener's commentary. All what I'm doing is giving it away as sort of a listener-supported, crowd-funded Bible teaching ministry because I believe everyone should have access to the life-giving message of the scriptures and the wisdom of the message of Jesus. And so there it is. It's made possible by the generous support of people just like you. So thanks a ton for your support. And you can always join the team of supporters by going to johnwhitaker.net, clicking the Give button, setting up a recurring monthly donation, or giving a one-time gift right there as well. So thanks a ton for your support. May God bless you. I look forward to talking to you again next week.